0: Welcome home friends, this is Pastor David and you are listening to the Community Life Podcast. We pray this message is an encouragement to help build your faith and focus your life toward Jesus and his way. We also hope that this podcast is an open door of invitation for you to come and see what God is up to here at Community Life. So plan a visit, we'd love to meet you in person. Lastly, if this is your church home or you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so by visiting madeforcommunity.com forward slash give. Thanks for listening. So good to see you. I know I'm talking real fast. I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, what's going on? It's so good to see you guys. All right. So today, um, if you don't know me, my name is David. I am uh, your lead pastor here. So excited to be sharing as we wrap up this mini-series that we've been in through the month of March on hospitality. And in case you missed some of the messages throughout the month of March, we've learned for the past three weeks that God cares deeply about hospitality. God cares deeply about welcoming people well. The Father is welcoming. This is our homecoming. Why does God care so much? It's because God is building a home. We heard it just a moment ago from the Ramoses. In Ephesians 2, God is building a house, his church, and he has been for a while. And this house, I've been thinking about this, this house that God is building is not some spec home that you see cruising down the 210 in two pieces that they put together when it reaches the job site. This, this spec home, is, this God's home, is not an energy-efficient rental within walls, okay? It's not some transitional temporary refuge from the storms of life. No, God's house is creative, God's house is diverse and inspiring, and it's a masterpiece of human engineering because he's building it with you. All of you, regardless of where you've been, it's his house, but it's your home because he's building it with any and every available material of your life that you're willing to contribute. Your passion, your relationships, your history, your job, your hobbies, your stuff with everything God wants to build his house with whatever you make available to him and he'll shape it he'll he'll refine it he'll piece it in brick by brick with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone so one more time what we've been learning is that it's his house it's his work he just wants us to call it home he wants us to welcome well so the world might catch a glimpse a better glimpse of what he is really like that we would be an open door, a door that's always open and a table that's always set for anyone, sinners and saints, lost and found, the wonder-filled and the wandering, for everyone to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. This is the expectation for us as this house, and this is where we've been. We exist, you and I, we exist. We have been called, we have been chosen to open doors so the world might know God. Now, as we wrap up the series today on open doors, I wanna close talking about what I would say is God's greatest dream for his family, his greatest dream for his church, or his heart for the house, heart for the house. And if you're taking notes, that's what I'd like to call this message, heart for the house. And I wanna end here talking about uh, God's heart because if we are his family, If we are God's family living in his house, making it our home, then we need to know how he wants us to be. We need to know the house rules for what it means to be together. Not so much for how we're to live as individuals, but more how God wants us to be defined as a family. Because there are a lot of things, amazing things that that God could want for us to define us as a family. There's a lot of things. I think about my own house. I think about my kids. I think about my wife and my our family. And I dream for them. All the things that I pray for them. All the things that I long for them. I want them to be happy. I want them to be joyful. I want them to have a sense of purpose with their days. I want them to experience love and laughter and amazing food. And I want them to see beautiful things in their lives. I want when people look at them, I want them to be seen as respectful and kind and thoughtful and creative to uniquely show the world what our family represents. That's, I I want for our family. I want so much as a family for my house, but as God's family, what does he want most for us? What does he want for us? Well, we catch, I would say, glimpses of God's heart for his house all throughout the scriptures. From Old Testament to the New, we see God expressing what his people should be like, not just what they should do or not do, but, but how they should be along the way. But there's no more crystal clear example for God's heart for his house than I would say in the book of John chapter 17. And so if you have your Bibles you follow me quickly to John 17. It's this iconic moment where Jesus, who is God, Toward the end of his life, prays to the Father in heaven, and he prays for us. He prays for the church. Out of all the things that he could have asked God for, for us, these are the things in John chapter 17. This definitive heart for his church, and for his house, and for his family so we're going to be starting John 17, starting in verse 9. And this is a pretty extensive prayer. We've read a lot of scripture already today. We love the word of God. Amen. Amen. Um, but for the sake of time, I just want to read you a bit of an abridged version. Um, there's a few verses that were kind of just filtered through. And so if you want to wrap your head around the whole thing, please go back and read it in John 17. We're still reading like 20 verses. But, um, but as I read this, I just want you to pay attention Pay attention to what Jesus prays for us and what he wants most for his us, what his heart for us is as a church. And so this is it starting in John 17 verse nine it says, this It's on the screen. Jesus says, my prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me He's speaking to the father because they belong to you. And isn't that amazing? Verse 11, now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I've given them your word And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as like I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Isn't that amazing to hear? They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world, and I can give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. We're getting close, verse 20. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all. Check this out, this is so rich. I'm praying for not only those, I'm, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. This is us. Verse 21, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you, and I, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be at one as we are one. I am in them and they are in me. May they experience such perfect unity. Why? That the world will know that you sent me. And that you love them as much as you love me. John 17. Incredible, right? God's heart for his house, for his people. So what did we just read? Where the door is always open and the table is always set. I see three things specifically in this prayer with support from uh, from our opening scriptures to help us understand how God wants us to be together. First, Jesus prays that his house would be a house of joy that it would be a house of truth and that it would be a house of unity. Three things, a house of joy, a house of truth, and a house of unity. This is God's heart for the church. Sounds good, right? Sounds awesome, but what does this mean? How does it play out? Let's take a look. Let's start with house of joy. So in John 17, verse 13, Jesus says that he told his disciples all of these things. All of these things, he taught them and revealed the truth to them for what purpose? So they would be filled with his joy. Filled with his joy. What does this mean to be filled with his joy? It means that as a people, they would live joy-filled, not based on their circumstances, not based on their earthly prosperity or always getting what they wanted. That's tough. Instead, that their joy would come from something greater, from the reality that Jesus is real and what he said. And this is it. The house of joy is a house that lives together with an eternal perspective, with our vision fixed on eternity, a perspective that always points to the one day that all things would be made new, a perspective that always points to the one day that sin and death and pain and crying and hurting have been cast away. This is the dream in the house of the Lord. And it's important to remember that Jesus, he didn't have to key us in on any of these things. Jesus had no obligation to give us confidence or his joy, and yet he still chose to do it anyway. Why did Jesus give us his joy? (sighs) So we might have confidence. So we might have clarity and perspective as we walk this life a joy that comes from an eternal perspective, but also a joy that is gifted to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Where the fruit of this Holy Spirit of God living within us is joy, peace, patience, kindness. God wants us to be a house filled with joy. The joy of the Lord must be our strength. But but quickly, show of hands, I wonder if anyone here has ever experienced a crabby Christian I wonder if anyone here's ever been a crabby Christian. Anybody? Of course not. Of course not. When we don't get our way, when our favorites aren't played, when things aren't like they used to be, when our concerns turn into cynicism. Yeah, we've all been there. We've all been the crabby Christian. Now just imagine how effective that spirit is in showing hospitality, you know, Just imagine how effective the crabby spirit is in showing the world what God is like. It's terrible, right? This is why Jesus gave us his spirit and prayed that we would be filled with his joy. This is why he spoke to us and gave us his word, because why would the world want what we found if we don't even seem to like what we have? For us to be the church we need to be, One where the world can come to know the goodness of God, to taste and see that he is good. For us to be this church, we must choose to daily be filled with his joy so we might keep our eyes fixed on eternity. This is perspective. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us and fill us again so we might reveal the joy that we have in the Lord. We must be a house of joy. Now, I know that sounds great, I know that no one wants to be a crabby Christian and no one wants to be a crabby church, right? So how can we get there? How can we be a church with eyes fixed on eternity that we would live in light of the promises that God has given us and that the spirit of God that lives within us would be the joy that flows from us? How can we get there? Well, this is number two. I know you're ready for it. If we wanna be a house of joy, we must first be a house of truth. A house that's informed and defined by what God says is real. this is tough. Jesus says it like this, speaking about his church in John 17. He says that they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth truth. And this is so key for God's people to remember. This is so key for his house with open doors to remember that you, friends, are not who you once were. That if you are with Jesus, then then you are no longer broken sinners. And I know for some of you, that's a crutch. It almost feels... It almost feels good to think that I'm still who I once was, because at least I knew where I was. But I need you to understand that if you are with Jesus, then you are not a broken sinner anymore. You are not an outcast or a stranger or a foreigner. You are no longer the sum total of your life experience that the world looks at and assigns value to. No, Ephesians two, you belong to God. If you are with Jesus, then you belong to God. You are citizens of heaven. You are members of his family. You are his house. You are his house, John 17. So do, you do not belong to this world any more than Jesus did. You are set apart with all of God's holy people. And it's Jesus' prayer that we would stay that way. We would recognize who we are now because of him and that we would be a house filled with his truth, not with the lies of the world. We'd be a house filled with his truth, a house surrendered to his word, to what he said, which is true, that leads to joy. So, how does this play out? How can we be a house of truth? Two things. We need to be informed by what God says is true, and we need to be defined by what God says is true. Informed and defined. How can we be informed by what God says is true? Read your Bibles, right? I know that there are some that have a hard time reading or staying focused. There's this app on everyone's phone that you can get called the Bible, and it's actually uh, has, uh, you can press play on it and it will read it to you. There is no excuse not to be informed by what God says is true. There are plenty of opportunities. For thousands of years, people had no access to what we have before us today. We need to be informed by what God says is true. We need to spend time learning from God in the scriptures and allow that truth to to inform and to bring correction to what we believe. To bring correction to what we believe is real and true and good and beneficial about us, but also about those around us. We need to allow the truth of Ephesians 2 to sink in, that God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take any credit for it. We need to allow the reality of of the scriptures that, that salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. For we are God's masterpiece of mercy. We need to allow that to sink in, to inform our understanding of who we are and who those around us are, and that he has created us anew in Christ so we can do good things that he has planned for us. We need to allow this to inform our heart and mind of who we are and who God is. For everyone living in doubt and fear in the room right now, we need to allow the good news to inform our faith. For everyone living with regret, we need to allow this good news to inform our belief for what's possible. Y'all, there are a lot of folks that believe God hates them because of some things they did in the past. And I don't know where you're at in this room, but I imagine there's a few of us in this room right now still dealing with regret, still feeling like God is looking at us like an enemy, but I need you to know that this is not true. This is a lie from the devil. How can we know? Because the Bible tells us so. This is why we have Ephesians 2. This is why we have the word of God to inform our understanding of reality, which leads to great joy. Which leads to great joy. This is the first thing we need to be informed. We need to be informed to open our eyes to what's true. Second, we need to be defined by what our uh, we need to be defined by what our eyes are opened to can't stay here. It has to make it here. We need to decide to surrender to this truth, even if at times this truth feels a bit unbelievable, or if this truth feels a bit too generous, too compassionate, too loving, or too unjust, too unfair, or too inconvenient. Friends, a house of truth does not get to pick what's true. It does not get to pick and choose what's true based on our opinions or our preferences, or based on what the world might say is equitable. Hear me when I say, Jesus defines reality. Jesus defines what's true. And everyone said, amen. Jesus defines what's fair and loving and merciful, but also what's holy. And and he revealed what God expects. He revealed God's heart for his house. You don't get to decide what's true. You get to decide if you'll seek it. I'm going to say this one more time. You do not get to decide what's true. You get to decide if you'll seek it, believe it, surrender to it, and be defined by it. That's up to you. We need to be informed and defined by what's true. Something kind of wild happened um, a number of years ago we were, when we were pastoring at this, this small, well, whatever, small kind of downtown urban church plant in, in Wisconsin. Um, the church there was pretty young in faith and in age. Um, there were a lot of new believers and pre-believers and re-believers coming back to the church. It was, it was a really crazy time. But I tell you what, there would be weeks where I'd be up just like this, standing at a table, and I would look out and I would be like, why are they even here? Now, I, and I love these people, but I looked out and I was thinking, why are you here with this incredibly diverse group of non-traditional church people? I look out and I see folks in and out of the recovery community, folks that finished the night at the bar and, and, and slept in their car before church, folks from the LGBTQ community, folks that that had a little rough around the edges. We had homeless folks and folks with special needs, and it was just totally wild and awesome and amazing. And listen, I love that they were there, but I just didn't understand why they were there. And so so one day I asked, you know, these people, why would they show up to something that they knew wouldn't affirm some of the things that they cared about? Why would they show up to a place that didn't affirm and include everything they felt to find them? And so I walked up to him and I said, hey, um, I was like, y'all, I'm so glad you're here. How's the coffee? And they're like, it's good. (laughs) How's music? It's good. I said, so, I said, I don't want want to come this the wrong way, but like, but what are you doing here? And they looked at me and they said, they said, David, we know that you don't agree with every part of our lifestyle. We know that. But this is the only place in our lives where we actually hear what's true. They said, "We, we know that you don't agree because of your submission to Jesus and his truth. We know that, but we come because it's the only time in our week that we hear what's real. Friends, I need you to understand that this world wants to know what's true. They might not always like it, just like we don't always like it, but the world is craving a truth that won't let them down. The world is craving a truth that won't run and hide. The world is craving a truth that that can withstand its disappointments, its feelings, its opinions, and its failures. And this is why Jesus prays that we would be a house informed and defined by truth, filled with joy, defined by truth. The world needs us. The world needs us to open doors of truth here. It can feel, it can feel sometimes like, man, if we just, if we were just a bit more sensitive, you know, if we were just, you know, if we just talked a bit more topical, maybe, maybe that would just, no. What the world needs most is the truth of God. With a big open doors, with big open doors to say it in a way, if you remember week two, we talked about the table always set. We need to be smart about what we speak but we still need to stand on the authority of scripture. We need to be smart about how we present it, right? But we still need to present it. And the world needs it most. So this brings us up to number three. And the last piece of, I would say, God's heart for his family. Building on joy informed by truth, Jesus says that we would be a house of unity. Not a house of uniformity, but a house of unity. John, uh, Jesus prays in John 17 a couple different times. He says, protect them by the power of your name, verse 11, so they will be united just as we are. Verse 21, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so the world will believe you sent me. Verse 22, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. May they experience such perfect unity. This, I would say, this is the bedrock of God's house. This is God's greatest dream for us that we would be one. This is the dream for how it started in the first century. Now, quick question: how, how is how is that going? Jesus prayed. This prayer, when he did, there was roughly one church, okay? One church in the first century. Any guesses of how many different denominations there are today? A simple Google search will will present that there are currently over 21,000 different denominations or divisions of this church that Jesus prayed would be one. 21,000 different denominations of this church that Jesus said would be united and one, focused on truth, filled with joy. And I think we feel that, you know, if you, if you just imagine for a moment this past couple years, like think how divided the church was during this past election. What a mess. Just, ima- just think about how divided this church was during the initial stages of the pandemic. What a mess. Just imagine for a moment, how divided the church was during all the protests of 2020. Taking a hard line left or right. Friends, what a mess. And there are reasons why, no doubt. There are reasons on both sides, but I think more than anything, it's because unity that had dissolved. Unity requires two things. Unity requires proximity and it requires humility. For unity to exist in God's church, it requires proximity and humility. Let's break that down real quick. Proximity. When the church was home for six months during quarantine, even with the best of intentions, our connection broke. We lost sight of the positive assumption that we were to, get, to, to give to others. We got wrapped up in all sorts of, of pride and 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 cynicism based on every new cycle that that gave way to division i mean it was absolutely a mess even with the best of intentions we weren't together our proximity was broken we weren't surrendered to one another as to jesus in prayer and obedience so unity stopped being the priority why because unity requires proximity requires us being together. Can you say that with me real quick? Unity requires proximity. One more time. Unity requires proximity. It requires proximity. Now, park there for just a second. Store all of that in your mind, because this is where our, our, our little card comes in again. The lack of consistent proximity we experienced over the past two years took its toll here. I'm just going to be real honest. It took its toll here. We had longtime members of this church leave over the past two years, and it breaks my heart. Some people that spent literally decades here faithfully fell into division instead of choosing to stay united. And even when we reopened, it was almost a year now, last Easter, there was this subconscious pressure to keep our distance. And this is not God's heart for his house. God longs for his people to be together, to be one, which is again why we're rolling this this thing out, because we need to be together again. We need to waste time together. We need to eat together together. We need to make memories together. We gotta go tip some canoes over together. We gotta do all sorts of stuff. We didn't have the opportunity to do that. And so this effort that we have is really intended so after church, we can just go and linger, that we can just go and be together like God's heart is for us, the heart for the house. And so we're gonna be breaking this down over the next couple of weeks, just to, as what this looks like and how we can participate in it. But, but starting now, I just ask that you would pray. How, how can God use you, the materials of your life, to help build this house into a home? Maybe you got a table saw and you want to saw some stuff or you want to pull up some carpet. There's a lot of options. But it's up to all of us to make this house a home. This isn't the 5% of the church that needs to do it. It's all of us. We got we to take a vested interest if this, is house, if this house is our home. And so pray about it. Put it on your fridge because we need to prioritize proximity again unity requires proximity but unity also requires a second piece here humility and this is the last thing we're going to be covering today if you're taking notes you can finally start to slow down unity requires humility the apostle paul says this in ephesians 4 this is our opening scripture "Therefore uh, therefore i a prisoner for serving the lord beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called family by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. A house united, A house defined by unity is a house of humility with proximity. Humble and gentle, patient and understanding, once again, sounds like the fruit of the Spirit, right, Norm? As we are filled with the Spirit, unity flows. The truth comes And we are filled with joy. And honestly, friends, humility plus proximity equals unity in submission to truth filled with joy. And I I just can't imagine a more compelling open door for the world to look in, to come and see what God is like. A church that's humble and committed, united, living in submission to the reality of God, filled with joy because they know the truth. Uh, Listen, no building, no program, no mailer, no social media post, no marketing push will ever open doors like a people that love God and love one another. Because it's in this practice of hospitality, verse 17 of, uh, or John 17, the last verse, it says that the world will know. As we love God and as we love one another, it opens this wide open door so that the world will know that the Father sent Jesus and that God loves them as much as he loves Jesus. It's in this practice of humility, of unity, of proximity, of truth and joy. It's in this practice of hospitality that the world will know what God is like. So as we close, as we close, let us contend for one another. Let us pray for one another that we would be a house of unity. That we would choose to be together with humility and gentleness making every effort to keep ourselves united in the spirit, bound together in peace. Amen? I got two more for you. And let us decide now, here and now, to be a house of truth, informed and defined by what God says is true in all things. Even when it's inconvenient, even when it's unbelievable, the truth of God must reign supreme in our house. Amen? And number three, finally, let us commit to being a house filled with joy. Filled with joy, where the joy of the Lord makes its way from our mind to our heart to our face. Let us be a church defined by joy, where the door is always open and the table is always set as we live with eyes fixed on eternity. An eternity that was promised by his grace when you believed for we are God's masterpiece. We are not some random rental in Montrose that costs way too much. We are God's masterpiece of human engineering. We are his house. We are his people and he has created us anew so we can do good things, to open doors so the world can see what he is like. So let us be a house of joy and truth and unity. This is the way of Jesus and the heart for his house. So let us follow him. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray as we close. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we believe that you're real, that you're good, that you love us, and you always lead to peace. We ask that you would give us the spiritual gift of remembering right now, that you would just help us retain all of the scripture that we heard, all this good news. All of the words that you have said, God, help us remember that so we might be filled with joy. So you might be filled with your joy. God, help us help us have the courage to define, be defined by, and informed by truth every single day. God, we need your help for that. Because we are being informed by everything else but you. So God, we ask that you would just speak so loudly into our hearts and into our minds. Open our ears to what it is that you have for us, God. Give us a passion for your word. Fill us with your spirit again. God, give us a heart to read your scriptures and to learn what's true and then also to be defined by those things. God, regardless of how unbelievable or inconvenient some of those things are, God, we submit to them because we know that they're true. And we know they're true because you said it. And God, we ask that you would help us Be humble, God. We know that humility is the culture of heaven, whether we humble ourselves or you humble us first. So we ask that you would just give us a heart for humility, God, that we would bow low before you and before one another, that we'd be patient with one another, that we put our preferences aside, God, that we would do everything we can to live at peace with all people, that we would choose to be together in proximity, and embrace a culture of humility here in your house. Jesus, we know that you are just preparing the way right now and that all the world needs to come and hear this good news. And so God, help us live with open doors. Help us set the table for those who haven't heard yet. God, we know that this is your heart for the house, that we would be a place for all can, that all can come to see what you're like for all to come and grow in faith and obedience. So we ask even now that you would just impress that in us, God, give us supernatural gift of remembering and practicing today hospitality like you. So Jesus, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your name that we have gathered, that we have given. It's in your name that we sang and we pray. It's in your name that we remembered at the table It's in your name, the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen, amen. Amen. I love you guys. You're my favorite people, especially in La Crescenta, okay? (laughs) Um, Next week, again, we're gonna be wrapping up our uh, business meeting. I hope to see you there. Um, I'd also ask that you would just continue to look at this and to pray, How 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 can God use me to help create a house with open doors? Okay? Um, After that, that's all. It's gonna be a beautiful day. Go grab some lunch with someone. I love you. Have a great day, and we'll see you soon, okay? Amen.